Take your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I want to just mention a couple verses here in Psalm 91. title of this is, What People Want Most Out of Life. What People Want Most Out of Life. Years ago, and I love the Psalms. Believe this or not, when I was a, when I was a new Christian, I, I did not like the Psalms. I read through the book of Psalms, 18 years old, and thought it was uh, some crybaby wrote it. Uh, all he was doing was whining and how things weren't the way it's supposed to be and how this. And I thought, because in 18, you know, you've never had anything go bad. And so I, I didn't understand why he would be sad like that. Or A lot of the Psalms, about a third of the Psalms are written in that fashion. And uh, so I, I just really, I just didn't, you know, I would read it, but I really didn't like the book of Psalms. And boy, is that switched. That's flipped. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, the guy and the people who wrote, and the Holy Spirit who wrote, of course, sure knew what was facing us in this life to help us. In Psalm 91 here, I want to take verses 14, 15, and 16 and make a comment, a few comments as we go down here. Um, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, and I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I believe we have here a short three verses that give a idea what God wants to do for those who will be willing to set their love upon him. The phrase has set his love upon me. God doesn't want your dry, lifeless obedience. He wants your heart. He wants you to set your love upon him. As a young man, I said, Lord, I don't know how to do that, but I sure would love to do that. I want to do that. I want to love you. I don't want to just like you. I want to love you. I don't want to do the things that you want me to do because they're the right thing to do, though there's, there's nobility in that. Or it's my duty to do, though there is nobility in that. I want to do it because I love you. The Bible talks about those who love his appearing. I, I am longing for and I'm loving his appearing. I'm not dreading the appearing of Jesus. Man, I'm, lo I'm looking for the appearing of Jesus. And he's looking for people like that uh, in, in this mass of people that we live in. There's three reoccurring thoughts that have, have popped their head up throughout history that people have striven for. And it crosses culture barriers. It crosses uh, race barriers. It's just humankind. Three major things that humankind seek after. It, it, these three things are a proverbial carrot that swings in front of each person in this, in this whole world. What are they? Riches, or you could call it prosperity, fame, and eternal life. Prosperity, 
fame, and eternal life. You can go through the remains of archaeology, and you'll see these three areas, these three thoughts, these three things that people would seek after popping themselves up over and over. It's clear from the physical temples, the altars, the pyramids, the idols that are around the world that men know with a certainty that they are not right with their creator. They, they know what. In the quiet moments of your conscience, everyone knows that you have, and I have, and we have violated the laws of our creator. Uh, everybody somehow knows they have transgressed standards of right and truth. Uh, they may be skewed on what truth is. Uh, they may not have a good grip on it, but they know in some way or another they're not ready to meet God. Somehow or another, people understand that they're going to be held accountable for these violations that they have done. They, they know also inherently that the penalty for those violations are serious. I've been to a... God allowed me early on in my life to be at the presence of some horrible automobile accidents. I wasn't in them. I was just right behind them. I would watch them happen, and then I'd be there. I'd be the first guy to the car, head-on, stuff really bad. People with broken necks, bleeding. One guy's head was sticking in the windshield, blood running down the windshield. We get a little bit more. But anyway, um, and you know, I mean, one guy was, had a car sitting on top of him crying for. But I, I noticed that everybody that was in those automobile accidents were religious. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't hear one atheist. I heard, I heard things like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Some, some of them, Jesus. You know, they know Jesus. And they'll cry out for Jesus. But most of them just cry, oh, God, help me. God, help me. God, have mercy on us. There's one woman, this, this curve here, we call it a drunk filter. This curve, 441, is a drunk filter. More people have tried to jump that thing. They'll go about 50, and they, they, they don't realize there's a curve there, and they'll jump that thing. One woman, I'm, I'm here with Brother Boucher one day doing some stuff, and we hear a boom, ba-boom, 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 rolling of a car, and we run over there. We're the first ones there. The thing's steaming. You can spark, and you can smell gas. That's just a really bad combination. And there's a woman inside saying, help me, help me, God, help me, help me. And, and she couldn't get out. And Brother Boucher and I jumped on the car. It was on his side. You ever try to open a door up? You didn't realize the door weighed that much. But you, that, that door, man, we lifted that door up. And I think John lifted it up because he's much younger than I am. And uh, he lifted it up. And I, I grabbed her hand and, and we pulled her. But that old girl didn't have her seatbelt on. And she had been bounced around like a marble in that car. She had... She had cuts everywhere, and, uh, but she was fairly religious. Historically, as you look down through history, you see a, a process of people trying in some way or another to appease God, though they may not know who he is, they try to appease him for their violations in Peru. Literally thousands of temples. There's so many of them, they haven't even uncovered most of them, they said, in the jungle that were used to sacrifice people to somehow or another appease the God 
that they worship in Egypt. The great pyramids stand as silent witnesses uh, of the fear those people had of death and the, the, the belief that they had in life after death. Islam appeases uh, their, by their offenses uh, an angry God. The Islamic God is an angry God. With personal, they appease him by, by hurting themselves, personal suffering, cutting themselves, bleeding, treks to Mecca, horrible sacrifices, personal freedom, comfort, blowing themselves up, jihad, and all these other things. Hindus offer food. Really, they ought to be eaten. In, in, in uh, India, uh, I mean, there used to be some food problems shortage, and here they got cows and stuff uh, running all over the place. I'll guarantee you that would not happen in America. We'd be eating all those cows, ancestors or no. But that's sad, that's sad that religion causes them to not eat those animals, perfectly good animals to eat. They won't eat them because of, of, their, of their belief. But they do that to appease the situation that they know is coming up. Um, it, it, let's just say someone ignores all of those inner feelings that I just mentioned. Uh, you'll see that they're trying to kill the pain of life, kill the pain of their guilty conscience, uh, kill the pain of the thoughts of offense that comes to them by drug usage, uh, or they'll try to play it away, or they'll try to pleasure it away, or they'll try to argue it away, or they'll try to work uh, it away, try to just stay so busy that they never... They, have you ever noticed people keep music... They keep music going everywhere they go. They got music in their car, music at the house, and music, and they, they got the TV on constantly. Brother, you should be able to be quiet. If somehow or another you're not comfortable, quiet, I believe you got, there's some work to be done with you and God. Because the Holy Spirit talks in those quiet times. You need to be able to be quiet. I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. To be quiet. I mean, no noise, nobody talking, no TV, no nothing, just you and God. I think man, in general, is on the run. What do you think? He's on the run. Our text briefly assures the one who sets his love upon a, the living God, who made heaven and earth, some things that are tremendous in our text. First of all, these three reactions of God come only to the one who sets his love upon God in verse 14. Have you set your love upon God? The word set is interesting. Hebrew word, it's untranslatable. It really means Abba. Abba is, uh, is an affection, an intimate term of affection uh, that cannot really be translated. Uh, dear father, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have a few of those terms for my wife. Sweetie. Uh, there's a lot in that word, sweetie. Uh, but it's, and we're, we're to delight ourselves in God. He's looking for people who don't want to just serve him, that want to delight in him. It says in Psalm 37, 4, you've seen it, delight thyself also, Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. God wants to help you. He wants to encourage you. And you can have it. You delight yourself in him. Isaiah 58, 14. I just finished the book of Isaiah. Then shall delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. 
Man, God is looking for some folks who want to love him for who he is. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot to be loved and a lot worthy in God to be loved. But nobody wants commanded love. I, I used to try that. It doesn't work too well. Uh, you can't command somebody to love. It must be freely given to you. It cannot be forced. Earlier in the psalm, in Psalm 91, 2, it says, this affection is shown. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Um, I think the trouble I, I see with, with so many folks is they treat God like some sort of errand boy. Every time they get in trouble, say, God, help me do this. God, help me do this. But do you ever talk to God and not ask him for something? Do you ever go to God and just say, praise you, thank you, God, for being who you are, for being honest, for being truth, for being righteousness? Oh, thank you, God, for the... Do you ever go to God without ever wanting something? You, you parents and grandparents understand this. It hurts your feelings a little bit when the only time your kid or your grandkid call you is when they want something. It hurts your feelings a little bit. I haven't had that happen. My son doesn't call me at all. <laughs> he, he does once in a while. He does once in a while. If I call him and say, would you call me? And he goes, really? But one time I... I don't remember how it was where I called my dad, and he said, son, he said, I'd appreciate it sometime if you just call me and wouldn't have any particular need. And I go, ooh, that got me, that got me. I said, dad, you're absolutely right. Forgive me. It's nice to go to God sometimes in prayer and not have a big need. Just say, Lord, I'm just here to, I'm here just to praise you and love on you and set my love on you and thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you, what you are and who you are, what you're doing. Um, I think sometimes they, they think God, people think God is created to serve them. But we're created to serve him. Uh, I think sometimes uh, um, they think all God's power and his might, his majesty is so they can have a better life. That's the health and wealth philosophy, and that's not really where it's at. That's not, that's not it. Um, no, 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 dear one. We initiate, we set our love upon him. Why? Because of who God really is. He's love. He's true beauty. He's, he's the architect of everything, the designer of everything you look at, the creator of everything, the inventor of all good things. God is in essence mercy and tr love and forgiveness and patience and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and truth and goodness and purity and holiness. All the real good things, that's who he is. And he's worthy of our love. I love him because he first loved me too. The Bible says that. I love, he loved God. Why? Well, he first loved me. God initiated his love for me, and I love him for that. While I was yet a sinner, Christ loved me. While I was an idiot, saying stupid stuff, not knowing any really thing about life, but thinking I did, God loved me and had mercy upon me. Has he had mercy upon you tonight? Hasn't God shed his mercy upon you? Shouldn't he have taken you out a long time ago? If I got what I deserved, I would have been gone long, 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 long ago. But God in his mercy has come to me and blessed me. Let me know him. God's let you know who he is. How many people in the world tonight have no clue 
Think about it. How many people in the world have no clue or they have a false idea of who God is? But he's let you know Jesus, whom to know is life everlasting. Well, that's enough to praise him and to love on him. I hope you love Jesus. I hope you know Jesus. I hope you share your innermost secrets and thoughts with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's better to go to him and share your burdens and share your heart and share your love than it is to go to Facebook. Than to go to any of them other ones. Uh, it's just, it's better to stay off the phone and to stay sharing with God. Now there's a time, there's no doubt there's a time to share with another person and to confide with another person and be comforted. Each, and that's, that's, that's wonderful. But, it's, it, but it surely should not be more than you do with God. It makes sense to you? You're not sharing with everybody else more than you're sharing with God. He wants us to come to him. Um, he wants to set it up. So there's seven I wills uh, in Psalm 91 here. Uh, um, but I group them in three major groups. Uh, you know, prosperity, fame, and eternal life. He says, uh, the, as, as the writer of the Psalms and the Holy Spirit says, look, if you, God says, if you'll set your love on me, I, here's what I will do. He, he mentions seven things. Um, he says, I will deliver him. Twice he says that. I need God to deliver me. How about you? Um, I, I like in Psalm 73 too, it says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Boy, God needs to deliver me. Um, that has become more apparent, at least realistically, uh, when I was in Michigan. Here we are going after a day of hunting, and, and we're going down. Brother Georgie's got a real big old pot of super pasta, uh, what they call deer pasta, waiting for us. Man, and Georgie can cook, man. I mean, that old boy can cook. Uh, and we're, we're just happy. We're in the truck. We're getting warmed up. And we're heading down. We think we're going for pasta. There wasn't going to be no more pasta that night. But God delivered us from something even worse than that. By the way, if you've driven up north very much, you've been delivered from hitting deer. Well, I saw more dead deer along the road than you can imagine. I bet I saw 100 dead deer along the road and didn't see one when I was hunting. <laughs> didn't see a lousy deer that I could kill. And along the road, there were just one here and one there and one here and one there and one here and one there. I'm thinking every one of those is a five to $10,000 accident, five to $10,000 accident or more. And they're everywhere. They can't even pick them up. They're killing them so fast. Maybe that's what happened. There were none left. But uh, God delivered. Man, we rode motorcycles. Brother Tom's here tonight. Tom and I have ridden motorcycles all over the country. And let me tell you, God delivered us. He delivered us from the moose. Remember when we went by that moose? I went first, and then I, maybe you were behind me. And that, uh, There was a 2,000-pound moose, big old rack, standing in the middle of the road. I took a turn, this, and I thought, oh, poor Tom and, poor Tom and Judy. Again, he'd probably kill them. I didn't stop, but. <laughs> but uh, he delivered us. And it says, he says, also, I will be with them in trouble. I need God to be with me. There's a lot of fringe benefits by setting your love on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the best life. He'll deliver you, and he'll be with you while you're what now? In trouble. He didn't say he'd take you out of trouble. 
He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. Uh, never do you, do you see a promise in the Bible where he's just going to deliver you from all the things that the world goes through. The world gets cancer and dies, we get cancer and die. The world has heart attacks and dies, we have. The, the world has brain tumors, we have brain tumors. The world has uh, all, everything, every calamity the world has, we have the same kind of calamities. The church has them. The people of God have them. But he said, here's the difference. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you in them. What a difference it'll make. Let me say this. I've done enough nursing home visiting to tell you something I observed as a young man. Starting, I did a lot of nursing home visiting early on in my life. And one thing I picked up right off the bat was I could almost walk in a room and in a few minutes I'd say, this person's saved. This old girl's saved. She may not even have her mind. But you can tell she's saved. There's a peace that you go in that next room where that girl's lost and they're fighting and they used to tie people down. They don't do that anymore, but they, for their own sake, they'd tie them down. And by the way, they, we ought to go back to that. You ought to go back to tying people down, I'm telling you. My mother had her hip replaced, had dementia. When you have a new hip, you can't, you can't and they, they let her get out of bed. The hip came out. I said, why? We, it's not legal to tie them down anymore. I said, what? You guys are crazy. That's abuse. But that's the liberal lawyers. That's what they've done to the medical profession. They've bound their hands. Won't let them do what they're going to do. I'm over it now. But he'll, he'll deliver you in trouble. I went through the death and dementia of my, my, of my mother and went home many a nights weeping and asking God to have mercy on her. But he was with me in trouble. Not around it, but in it. And through the valley. And brother, what is the comforter? The, the word in Greek is paraclete. It means to to walk alongside the holy comforter. That's what he is. That's what he is. Oh, folks, uh, we as servant Christ, when you set your love on Christ, is some of the best of times, some of the best of times in your whole life. And he says, thirdly, I'll answer him when he calls. I'll answer him when he calls. Uh, you're a rich man. You're a rich man when God will listen to your prayer. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth. Deliver them out of all their trouble. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivereth them out of all. So many other verses. God listens to our, it's our prayers, according to Proverbs, is a delight to God. Can you imagine the creator of all that is, the everything a Hubble looks at, that you can actually affect him at all? Think about what I'm saying. You can affect God. You can delight him by praying and by going to him. And by, and by calling out to him. He says, cry unto me, cry unto me. Man, if, for, if God be, the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm for it. I like it when, when Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? That's you. I'm not talking about the next guy. I'm not talking about doc, just Dr. Crabb. I'm not talking about just Dr. Gillespie, I'm talking about you. He said that to you. You set your love upon Jesus Christ. You, you say, I'm, I'm going to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. By, by, if you allow me to do it, God, I want to love you. And God will. He'll help you. He'll help you do it. I've prayed for years that I would love my wife. I've had people come to me. I saw many marriages that were what I call toleration marriages and not 
love-based marriages. Now, it's noble, it's noble to stay married your whole lifetime, even if you don't love your mate. It's noble, because it's, it's Bible. But it's a whole lot better to be married a lifetime and actually enjoy it. Not to endure it, but to enjoy it. I've seen too many marriages that are endurance contests. It's like, I hate his guts, but I'm going to stay with him because I want to make him miserable that he dies. <laughs> it says also that if you set your love upon him, that God will make you, you'll be famous. Famous with who? Famous with God. Famous with God. I'll, I'll set him on high. That's a place of honor. That's a place of privilege. That's a place of special glory. I, you know what's, what just absolutely humbles me is that God loves me. I just try to put my mind around that. God loves me, even me. God loves you. And he really is going to take care of you. We're confident of that. Of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. In John 12, 26, says, if any man serve me, let him follow me before I am. There shall all my servants be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. You don't have to honor yourself. Man, you don't have to talk yourself up. You don't have to sell yourself. You just set your love upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll take care of whatever honor that you're supposed to have or whatever honor would be healthy for you to have, God will let it happen. Sometimes when I'm asked to preach somewhere, uh, I'm just an old junkyard dog. I'm a shy, introvert, junkyard dog that has no business ever climbing up in a pulpit. And people ask me to preach. And every time I get up, I almost want to pinch myself. How, how could this be possible? Only because God did it. God did it. He says, another thing he says, he says, I'll honor him. The word honor means to fix a valuation on. He evaluates you. He gives you a valuation of, of something precious. By the way, something you honor, you protect. Troy, I notice, has a little different view of Bryn than he did Cayman and Trent. And it's, it's, it's the dad and his daughter. You honor your daughter and guess what you do? You protect them. Now, there was a, a preacher. I was checking into one of, the, one of this preacher up in, in, in another place. Uh, that He had a 21-year-old daughter. And I said, well, I got a 22-year-old grandson, you know. I'm just, just throwing it out on a table. And he sent me a picture, the preacher did, of him carrying a pistol. I got the message. That means... Uh, I'm, I'm, even though my daughter's 21, uh, he better be real good to her because I'm going to come after him and kill him. I mean, he, it, was, it was a protection. It, I mean, it was funny, kind of. And uh, I think that's, I feel bad for the guy who wants to get to know Brent. I really do. Troy will probably go, have you seen my silencer? If you honor something, you have a special place of storage for it. Uh, 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 you give it some attention. 
You value it especially above other things. Uh, and God says, God says, if you'll, if you'll set your affection, if you'll set your, your love upon me and seek me, ooh, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in a special place of honor. I think there's no greater fame than fame with God. There's no greater fame than fame with God. I think we need to be more concerned about being famous with God than being famous with any other being, whether it be men, whatever. We don't need to worry about being famous except be famous with God. Seek God with all your heart, and God will honor you. Uh, what a difference. And then he says, so we have, we have great um, prosperity in every direction. I'm talking about spiritual prosperity and an ultimate, ultimate prosperity in every direction you can imagine it. Um, you're going to receive a fame. Uh, the Bible says, Paul said, I'll know, I'll be known even as I am known. And, and, and unworthy as we are of any of that, he says, I'm going to make you known. And then he says, to top it off, the crown of it all, I'm going to give you the third big one, and that is, I'm going to give you eternal life. Not just long life here, uh, but, but eternal life. I'll satisfy him with long life. When God means long life, he means long life. Like, in, 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 like forever. Uh, throughout the whole Bible, uh, though dying young was often considered a curse or a judgment. And, and, and notice how, uh, by the way, um, are you familiar with the 27 Club of Rock and Roll? artists, the 27 Club, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, some of these other guys who died at 27 years old. A lot of them boys, they get famous quick and get prosperous quick, but they do it on the back of the devil. They die young. They die young. I never thought I'd live this long, not in a million years. God has kept me alive. He's given me mercy, uh, grace. I'm, 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 I will say this, getting old is not for sissies, so. though. Man, getting old is not for sissies. You've got to be tough to be old. You people that want to be 90 years old, you've got to be tough, right, Brother Sakura? You've got to be tough. Brother Sakura fell here recently. His wife has had so much trouble. Man, but by the grace of God, he'll, he'll give you a long life, ultimately eternal life. God's promise is more than just long life. It's a satisfying life. See, to live long, what's that? But to live long and live a satisfying life. You know, you can go to these preachers that have been a while, like, like these really old preachers like Brother Crichton. And you can ask him, How, how's your life been? And he'll tell you. I don't know. I have not asked him. I have not talked to him. But I know what Brother Crichton would say. Because God is faithful. I can go to Brother Tom Gillespie and say, Tom, since you started serving God, how's your life been? And Tom's 70 years old. Brother Crichton, uh, you in three digits yet? No. But I'm telling you, these, I've listened to these old, these old boys that live for Jesus and set their love upon him. I go to them and say, how's your life? Oh, God's been, tears will come up. Oh, God's been so good, man. And they're just, they immediately almost break down in an, an emotional a thankfulness, a spirit of thankfulness, and, and the joy begins to bubble up on them. And I say, no, ooh, I want that. That's what I want. 
I want that kind of life. I want that kind of life. And then, if I may say lastly, he'll show you his salvation. Salvation. Salvation from death. Salvation from decay. Salvation from pain. Salvation from sorrow. Salvation from crying. Salvation, here's a big one, from goodbyes. I am tired of saying goodbye. I really am. I'm tired of saying goodbye to people. Uh, through the years, I've had to say goodbye to some fabulous folks that love Jesus. But I guess I get to say hello, right? Because when I'm on the other side, by the grace of God, we're going to meet them on the other side. Why not? We'll get to say hello. That'll be, I'll make up for the goodbye. But I, get to, I mean, but he's going to save us ultimately from goodbyes. You know, a land where there's no more goodbyes. Uh, he's going to save us from sadness. Sadness is a blanket that oftentimes will come over you for something that happened. He'll save you from sin. He'll save you from the horror that sin brings. No more war. No more fighting. No more envy. No more coveting. No more arguments. No more disagreements. Wow. Let me pinch myself. No more disagreements. No more antagonistic attitudes. No more hate. No more rejection. No more disputes. No more demonic damaging and attacks upon your mind. Do you appreciate that? He said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save you. And the end of it all, I'm going to save you from all that. You'll appreciate my love. Uh, God would say, you'll appreciate my kindness. You'll appreciate my gentleness, my honesty, my truth. God's salvation is all-encompassing. All-encompassing. Have you set your love upon him tonight? You say, Brother Bill, I really can't say that I've actually made that decision. Why not? Why not? Why not say, God, in prayer, why not say, God, I determine by a clear-minded choice, I want to set my love upon you my whole life. Why not? Do you think, do you think God would help you do that? You, you, you think God will empower you to, for, for a prayer request like that? It'll be a lot better than asking for a new car or a new truck or a new eye or, or, new, or hair. I mean, you're not... Why don't you ask God, I want to set my love on you. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And say it. Don't say it one time. It'd be like being married and only saying you love your wife one time. That don't cut it. You need to tell your wife daily. I mean, I'm not telling you how to be married, but I'm just telling you, I think it works good. <laughs> to, to tell your wife, they have a short memory. I think it's, it's good to tell your wife, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you some more. I still love you. You're wonderful. I mean, sometimes you may have to cross your fingers, but you're human. You're human, right? And sometimes you're going to be at house with God. You're going to get at house with God. You're going to go do your own will. You're going to walk in the flesh. You're going to displease and grieve the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit's going to come and convict you, and you're going to say, oh, man, I've, I've violated you, look, God, and you're going to ask forgiveness and get right and, and reset your love upon him. Now, I've been married coming up uh, 48 years, if I remember right, and there's been times in those 48 years 
I haven't done so well. But I've stayed with it. And you know, as a Christian, sometimes you're not going to do so well. But you're going to be stay saved, stay loving God, and stay loyal, and God will be with you. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, help us tonight to grasp in some degree what the psalmist was speaking of. May, Father, there be some people in here. There's no way in the world that these people are going to make it as a Christian on just duty. They're not going to make it just on character. They need, and God wants, their heart. And he wants my heart. And Father, uh, you've got my heart. I, I want to end and, and per- persist with loving you and setting my heart upon you. Maybe there's some folks in this auditorium and I said, Brother Bill, I've never really set my heart upon God as, as a decision. Why don't you make that decision tonight? Why don't you say, Brother Bill, by the grace of God, I'm going to ask God, I'm going to set my heart upon him. And then tomorrow, uh, it may take me a while to get in the habit of this. As they say, 40 days to get in the habit. But you just keep reminding yourself and set notes for yourself and say, Lord God, I set my love upon you today. I love you today. I love you. Oh, Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.